actually went over about four or five minutes. So appreciate y'all being here tonight. Thank you for the Fosters for cooking our, our fish tonight. And appreciate that, John and Wes. Good fish and for the ladies preparing the food. So tonight, I want to kind of split our class up into two two topics. We're going to do a little summarizing about uh, job descriptions of angels. Uh, and I'll continue reading a little bit out of um, Meyer's book. I do have this outline we'd given out several weeks ago. It's just a, an overview of where angels appear in the Bible. If anybody needs a copy, I've got some up here. You can raise your hand. and Anybody need one of these? Uh, you mind, Adam? If anybody needs a copy of that, I've got a few extra copies. Yeah, we've been giving those out for a few weeks, and it's just kind of a... A, a complete list of, of angels and where they're mentioned in the Old Testament, New Testament, if you ever want to do a quick study. So the last couple of weeks, we talked a little bit about angels, uh, job descriptions of angels, what they do. And um, just, just for review, um, There's a order of angels, which is, think of it as a hierarchy or almost a governmental ranking. And at the top would be thrones, number two powers, rulers, authorities, and then heavenly bodies, which would be all angels. So that was, uh, was kind of thrown out there for a, uh, an idea. And then the classification of angels, you have angels in general, cherubim, uh, seraphim, and then uh, we have the archangels, which are also mentioned in the Bible, those ca- classifications. Um, it was interesting that uh, Jeannie, Jeannie was talking to me a minute ago about in Daniel, one of the angels was flying uh, through the air to, uh, I think, respond to Daniel. or I think it was Daniel's prayer, Jeannie, isn't that right? And he was basically sent to respond, and it said he flew. I think there's also a reference, if you go back and look in Daniel, it says something like he was flying in light. So light was somehow, it's almost like a, a beam of light. He was flying very fast. Did he have wings? We don't know. How do angels go from earth to present themselves in God's presence? You know, again, they have the ability to have what appears to be physical bodies, and they also have the their spiritual beings. They can be in various dimensions and realms. There's a lot of things I just don't understand, and I guess as I get older, I'm okay with that. You know, when I was 18, I felt obligated to know everything. Can you guys relate to that, you know? But now as I get older, I realize I don't know everything, and that's all right. You know, there's just things that I don't understand, and maybe God didn't intend for me to understand. Um, Some of the things that angels do, we've talked about angel, uh, angel duties, Uh, We know that they do God's bidding. Uh, There's various kinds of angels. They do, there's, uh, last week we talked about angels that are warring angels, uh, destroying angels, uh, the death angels that basically were dispatched to to kill pagan armies. Um, We talked about the the Lord who basically had a destroyer that went out uh, the night of the uh, death of the firstborn in Egypt. That's an interesting concept. Uh, angels who cared for Jesus, uh, ministering angels, escorts um, who took Elijah, uh, angels who appeared as horses of fire, angels who appeared as chariots or flames of fire. It's a very interesting idea. Angel that was a roadblock to Balaam and the donkey, the donkey saw him, Balaam did not. Angels who 
we're responsible for prison breaks. So a lot of different things that angels do. Uh, any other comments or questions about angels and their job descriptions and, and responsibilities? Any questions out there that we have tonight? You know, this is a topic we could study for a long, long time, but I don't want to uh, spend an unlimited amount of time on it. A couple of things that I found interesting, angels uh, don't marry. We're going to talk about that more tonight. They're very, very powerful. Uh, angels are uncountable. There's too many to count. Another thing I thought was interesting about angels, they tend to rejoice when men are saved. Uh, the Bible, I think, in Luke's talks about angels rejoice when a sinner um, basically repents and comes to the Lord. So some of the things that I wanted to talk about, uh, and, and, and if you want to refer to the book by Myers, this is available through the Internet used. He's got a really, it's sort of a definitive book, a good book written by the Brethren. Uh, he's done um, a, a good job, in my opinion, of explaining the, the different roles of angels. And then he got into chapter that talks about the activities of angels. He actually broke this up into three chapters, so I just want to quickly go over these and talk about them for a minute, and uh, we'll stop and and go over some questions. Once I hit some of these various uh, duties or activities of angels, then I wanted to get into part two of our study, which tonight is going to be uh, Genesis chapter six, where it talks about um, the, uh, the destruction of the earth and and. Uh, I think the first four verses of Genesis 6, and we'll sort of try to figure out what that means, and I've got an article that we'll refer to for further discussion. So let's talk about the activities of angels. And I just thought this was an interesting presentation, chapter 6, beginning on page 37. Uh, He uses uses, uh, these chapters to talk about some of the things, and he refers to the uh, references in the Bible the first thing he says is they drive spirit horses. So I don't know what that looks like, but he refers to 2 Kings chapter 2, 9 through 12. Uh, I'll just very quickly read a reference to the spirit horses. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, Yet... If you see me when I am taken from you, uh, it will be yours. In other words, it will be granted. Otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. So, Apparently, God's angels can form into different things, which includes horses of fire and chariots of fire. So, that's kind of strange. Angels apparently can change into various forms. We know in in uh, the account of Sodom and Gomorrah, we had two angels that visited Lot, and they looked like Men, I'm, ass- I'm assuming, regular men. Yeah, Sean? Angels, they don't, they don't uh, make themselves known like they did back then. Why is that? You mean appearances today? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's an interesting question, Sean. Uh, you might could ask the same thing about some of the miracles that were performed in the Old Testament where God did miraculous signs, um, wondrous signs, the parting of the Red Sea, water from a rock in the, in the wilderness, manna from heaven. Uh, I think God has chosen to reveal himself and do miraculous things in certain times, and he hasn't done as much in these modern days where we have the complete written word with a a historical account of all those things. So I'm going to say maybe angelic visitation or presentation of angels in that way is different now because we have a record of all these things and can read them in the Bible and and believe by faith that they occurred. That's just my idea. Anybody else have a comment or thought on that as far as why don't some of the things that happened then happen now? Anybody else? Yeah, Stacy. Yeah, there could be miracles that occur. Go ahead. Well, if I mean, for example, when the angel visited Zechariah and he was mute, he couldn't exactly communicate after that. But if he'd have told somebody that, you know, an angel of God appeared to him and said such and such thing, would have people believed him anyway? So... You know, if an angel appeared to you, I don't think you'd just come and announce it on Sunday. <laughs> so maybe maybe angels still do appear, and uh, people keep it to themselves because no one else would believe them. Well, we do know that uh, the Bible mentions about uh, entertaining angels unaware. You know, maybe we're entertaining an angel. Don't know that that's an angel. Um, I had an interesting situation the other day. I was sitting at a restaurant picking up some food, and a man kept looking at me like he knew me. I'm like, hello, you know, and he just kept looking intently at me, and I'm like, okay, is he is he all right? Is something, he just seemed like he was interested in looking at me. I don't know why, you know, and, you know, I kind of said hi, and, and uh, as I was leaving, he waved and said, have a good day, young man. I'm like, okay, you know, was that somebody checking on me? Was that an angel? I don't know, but that thought crossed my mind. All right. Uh, any other thoughts or comments? The answer is Sean. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm okay not knowing, but it's sure interesting to think about those things. I told somebody earlier tonight, I know what I need to know to get to heaven. I know what I know to need to know to believe about Jesus and maybe God says that's all you really need to know. You know, we can we can talk about a lot of things and wonder, but we may not ever know the answer for sure. So only God knows those things. Yes, sir, Dennis. Seeing something kind of interferes with faith. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Good point. To have only to see, you know. Yeah. And well, you know that, like I said, that interferes with faith. I'm I'm supposed to believe yeah. what the Bible says, even though I can't see it. Well, you remember in in Sunday night lesson we were talking about Jesus back in his hometown, and he was talking in the in the synagogue, and he read from Isaiah about himself, the the coming of the Messiah, and, and they're like, okay, well we we saw you grow up, so now prove that you're Messiah, do a miracle. Show us a miracle, and then we'll believe. And so 
he he told them something they didn't like, and then they were ready to throw him off the cliff and, and kill him. But they wanted to see rather than to believe that he was Messiah according to them. To the, if, if, they just, if they had just paid attention to the things that he had done around there and listened to the eyewitness accounts, they would have known that he was, in fact, Messiah. But, but their hearts were hard. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus was a stumbling, stumbling block. He was a rock of offense to the Jews who would not believe because of the hardness of their heart. So, Sean, good question, but um, God chooses to operate and do things differently, but miracles may still happen today. We just maybe not recognize them as miracles. So, All right. Yeah, well, huh. <laughs> okay, there were, there's all kinds of stories about angels, you know, if you ever watched a documentary or some of somebody saying, well, I was doing this and this happened, you know. Right. And it could have been angel. So, I mean, who knows? There's a, yeah, there's a lot of things we just can't explain. And I've talked to people personally who've had things happen in really bad car wrecks or accidents, and, and they'll... It's it's like a mysterious person shows up, helps them, and disappears, and nobody else sees them. And we can't explain that, Sean, so I don't know. Uh, Glenn? The Bible refers to the manifold wisdom of God, which a manifold means many-sided mm-hmm. wisdom of God. Yeah. And so it's really, we shouldn't expect to for God to let us put him in a box mm-hmm. and confine him to one aspect or one dimension of his creation. He can be anything he wants to be, including angels. He can be uh, where are his representatives, but they're not God. And it's, it tells us they're not God. Mm-hmm. There's messengers. There's a lot of uh, adjectives uh, that describe angels, Yes, but they're not God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we can keep that one singular focus in our mind, that no matter what everything else is, including us and everything else in God's creation, it's not God. He is creation. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end mm-hmm. and eternal. And and the only thing that we can have that is akin to that is eternal life with him, through him, and by him. Amen. Well, I, his ways are above our ways. Basically, he's unsearchable, unscrutable. Um, we, we just have to acknowledge that we're his creation and he's our creator. Yeah, Ryan? So to Glenn's point there, there's a question I've been dying to ask uh, about. Glenn basically said, you know, there's God and then there's angels. And there's one account here in Joshua that I can't tell if it's an angel or if it's God himself. Okay. It's when, it's when uh, a man what's described as a man um, appears before Joshua, right before they take on Jericho. Yes. And the reason why I ask that is because, you know, Joshua falls down and, and worships uh, right there. And I've, it never says he's an angel. It never says he's God. He says he's, he's the captain of the Lord's host. And um, I, I don't know. That one's kind of perplexing to me is, is 
I was wondering if you had any ideas whether that's yeah, actually an angel a or a captain God. of the Lord's hosts sort of implies that he is probably a, a commander. Uh, he has a higher rank, but he is probably one of the men assigned to the angelic army of the Lord. And he looked like he was probably dressed for battle because we know that he was recognized immediately as somebody who was prepared to, for battle or was a fighter. I mean, I don't know if he was girded with his military attire or his sword, but it certainly caught his attention. Yeah, just who the, are you? Are you against me or are you for me? Who? What's exactly your role? I, I always had the impression, Ryan, this is just my opinion, that he was an angel of the Lord sent to assist. And, and you go back to the story of Elijah with all of the chariots and the things that were unseen by man, there could be angels that assisted in that battle. Well, I don't know if you even call it a battle of Jericho when the walls fall down, but there's forces at work. You know, who's, who's to say that maybe angels didn't literally just crush the wall? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I can subscribe to that theory for sure, you know, because we know it was godly powers, but... Uh, just back to this man, I mean, he instructs Joshua to remove his sandals because he's on holy ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's another account of an angel appearing where they instructed, you know, other than the burning bush. The burning bush was the yeah. other one that came to mind. Yeah, and and then as you go in and read in, in chapter six, it says the Lord said to Joshua, right? You know, so yep. is the Lord speaking to this guy? Was this was this uh, a message, you know, or yeah. was 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 it actually the Lord there in, in, in the appearance of man? I don't know. That one's kind of confusing, and I, I'll go back to what you said earlier. I don't guess I have to know, but yeah. Well, remember that any time an angel is representing the Lord, it's sort of a messenger of the Lord. But is it the actual presence of the Lord? We know the Lord Himself, capital L O R D. Um, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the Father, was there present with Abraham. We know that because it was the Lord and two angels with him. It's a very distinct uh, way to identify in that particular visitation when uh, they went to visit Sarah and, and Abram. Yes, sir. So I've, I've been sitting here thinking, and maybe somebody can, can uh, help me out with this in case I've missed something. Uh, but up until the time that Jesus was baptized, there's records of angels appearing to men. And I, it recalls in Joel 2.28, when when, and also in Acts, when Peter was addressing the crowd, when he said, that, uh, he quoted Joel saying that in the last days, I will pour my spirit out on all people. And so after that point, the only time I can think of when angels appeared after the baptism of Jesus was when he ascended into heaven and men in white came and stood around the apostles and said, why do you look intently into the sky? Right, right. Except for that, it's visions. Peter had a vision. Um, uh, Saul had a vision. But there was, I can't think of any other time that an actual angel, because up until that point, there was all, I mean, you had the the angel that appeared um, to Mary and the one that appeared to Zechariah. Um, you had, um, yeah. There was the guard, the the resurrection where he, the angels saying, um, you know, he's risen. Um, there, 
We know angels minister to Jesus in the in the garden, Garden of Gethsemane. They minister to Jesus uh, at the completion of the um, temptations in the wilderness, but they didn't necessarily appear to anyone else. But they were there. Right now, Jesus. Interesting re- question. Uh, Jesus appeared, but I don't. I don't know of any other record uh, except for when, when uh, it would. Even Paul said uh, in one of his epistles, he was preventing. You know, the Spirit prevented him from coming. Right. But he said the Spirit, not an angel that appeared. Yeah, it, it would almost appear that in the beginning of the first century church that maybe the role of the Holy Spirit began to take a more active role in our lives versus physical, angelic Right, because to visitation. hear the voice of God, it had to come... It, because it, according to what I read in the Scriptures, the indwelling of the Spirit was the gift of God yes. that Jesus made possible yes. through His atonement, or th- through our atonement because mm-hmm. of Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the necessity of angels is it's just no longer necessary. Right. Because we have the voice of God within us. Yep. All right. Thank you. Uh, is that what you're going to say, Will? Acts five nineteen, Acts twelve, yeah. Acts ten, Cornelius. Okay. But I do want to say, even with those appearances of angels after that time, Stacy, I think what you're saying is still mostly true. The the angels didn't have as much of a need to appear to men after that time. And as far as I know, the only time that they did was to the apostles. And is that right? Do you all know of any angels appearing to anybody other than the apostles after that time? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But like what you're saying, I think the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is basically doing away with the need for angels. Um, Yes, yes, I think so. Yeah, good point. Okay, let me quickly just review. I'd I'd like to spend some time on Genesis 6, because I promised that we'll we'll deal with that. Let me just quickly go through this list. They guarded gates, um, Revelation 21, wage war, real nations. And I'll be glad, if y'all want to look at this book, you can write down some references They were helping individuals, executing judgment, ministering to saints. They praised God. Uh, They strengthened people who were in trial. They led sinners to those who were presenting the gospel. So they connected uh, people who were looking for God to presenters of the gospel. That was where Philip in Acts 8 um, was sent on a road to Gaza. They appear in dreams. They minister before God. They bind and guard Satan. They gather together God's elect. This will be at the return, at the sound of the trumpet. They harvest God's crop. They protect saints, accompany Christ when he returns, receive departed saints. That's an interesting concept. Uh, This is specifically the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was carried to paradise by the angels. They gave laws and revelations. Uh, They enacted or imparted God's will. They brought answers to prayer. And uh, even included in this is they are present in the church. Now, I've not really studied that concept, but according to some references here, uh, there are certain elect angels 
who may be present and monitoring the, the work of the church in the first century and uh, could be present today. We're just not aware of it. So there may be angels dispatched to look over various congregations. Let's turn to Genesis 6. We may not finish up tonight, and that's okay, but I, w- I want to get started in this idea. I'll give y'all a minute to turn there. All right, Genesis 6, verse 1. In my Bible, at least, in English Standard Version, it talks about increasing corruption on the earth. So in context, this is post Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, this is when mankind is beginning to grow corrupt and become populating the earth. So it says here in verse 1, when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they, cho- they chose. And then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. He sh- uh, his days shall be 120 years. Verse 4, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I'll blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, and birds of the heavens. For I'm sorry that I've made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Here's, in essence, the question. If we go back and look at the beginning of this chapter, uh, it basically mentions that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were attractive. Why is that phrase used, sons of God? All of the time earlier in the Old Testament, anytime you hear the word sons of God, in particular the book of Job, it's referring to angels. So is it, does it mean, is it plausible, impossible that the sons of God could be an, an angelic being who somehow is on the earth? Is it possible that these sons of God, angelic beings, may have had relations with, with women and that produced the Nephilim, the mighty men of renown? That's just one idea or theory that's, that's asked. I'm not prepared. I'm not necessarily saying that is the interpretation that's correct, but it's a question that's raised. Does that make sense? So let me do this, if I may. Um, I've done a little bit of research, and uh, is everybody familiar with the word nephilim? It's basically uh, a giant being, a creation. Uh, A descendant of that would have been like uh, Goliath, right? And there was a king mentioned in the Old Testament that had like a nine-foot bed. These were huge, huge men that were like super strong. So some people are kind of looking at this and reading it going, okay, is, is it possible that, that angels, when there was this rebellion and war in heaven, that maybe angels, um, that angels somehow were 
cast down, the ones that rebelled and then had the ability to take on the form of a man and maybe have relations with women and, and created a, a super human? I, I don't know. I mean, that's one theory. Um, so let me just share with you a, a chapter out of this article I read. The three primary views on the identity of the sons of God are one, they were fallen angels. All right, so that's one theory. Yep, that's the fallen angel that's talking about in, in Genesis 6. Two, one other possible interpretation, they were powerful human rulers who saw attractive women and married them and, and mankind became corrupt. Or three, they were godly descendants of Seth uh, intermarrying with wicked descendants of Cain. So y'all remember who Seth is, Right? So Seth's descendants from the beginning continued to worship God and honor him and offer sacrifices to God. So in other words, the descendants of Seth were under a covenant relationship and were considered God's people. You could call them sons of God. The descendants of Cain, on the other hand, were the women that went out and were involved in pagan practices and idol worship, and they began to worship the sun and the moon and the stars, and it was a very corrupt, um, ungodly environment. So it's sort of, that's your, three, that's your three theories. They were fallen angels, too. They were powerful human rulers. Or through, three, uh, they were godly descendants of Seth, God's covenant people intermarrying with more worldly people, the descendants of Cain, um, and so here's some thoughts, giving some weight to theory number one, the sons of God. It says that prior to this, it was always referring to God's angels, but here's a problem. Let's turn to Matthew 22, verse 30. So I'll give you just a minute to turn over to Matthew 22. Can angels procreate? So that's our question. So what I'm going to do tonight is probably just muddy the waters a little bit. I don't know that I really have an answer for you. I'm just throwing out different ideas. But in Matthew 22 and verse 30, you may recall, there were some people who came to Jesus. And let's see, let's actually go back. If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died. Having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Uh, so to the second and third, down to the seventh, all of them, after them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered, you're wrong. It was a hypothetical question set up to try to trick Jesus. He said, you're wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. In the resurrection, they, meaning angels, neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. As for the resurrection of the dead, you've not read this was said to you by God. So, uh, basically what he's saying is, when we die and, and, and we're in the resurrection, we're like the angels. We don't marry or we're not given in marriage. It's almost implied that angels uh, cannot procreate. They can't even have children. They don't marry. Uh, as a matter of fact, we don't know of any women angels. Uh, 
So is it possible for angels to even be able to have relations with a earthly woman? You know, this this is perplexing, though. That's the three theories. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, any one of those particular three would be not plausible, but Stacy. I can muddy the waters better than that. But you can do better than that. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> the scripture also uses the word son differently than we use it. Um, when, for example, uh, uh, Paul refers to Timothy as his true son in the faith. Yes. Um, when Jesus was baptized, it was said, and it was quoted from the Old Testament, um, you are my son today, I've become your father. And if if you take, instead of it being merely a biological designation, but more of a relationship, mm. so that a son is one that learns from his father, a father is one that loves and teaches his son. In other words, it is a matter of relationship rather than a matter of biology. Right. And when Jesus was asked about... Um, it says that his mother and brothers came to take charge of him because they thought he was out of his mind. He said, who are my mother and who are my brothers? It is right. those who do the will So he, he of my Father in heaven. So he kind of shifted the biological definition to more of a spiritual one. If you did that, if you took that view of it, then the sons of God would be simply the men who were learning from God, were, were subject and followed their maker, the Lord. Right. And that would also explain why they were called uh, he, the heroes of old and men of renown, because they would have been full of virtue and strength and godliness, which, would, which is the, uh, the perfect definition for a hero and a, men of renown, a man of renown. And it would bypass the notion of, you know, some sort of angelic hyper or some sort of man angel or some some sort. Yeah, it, it's a it's a perplexing passage, uh, and I wish there was. I think this is one that will probably be debated till the Lord comes again. And and the truth is, we don't. There's there's just not a really clear cut, definitive. Yeah, this is it. I mean, you could you could probably be in any of those three camps and defend your position, but. Um, I do know this. I know that when the Lord came and evaluated the condition of the earth and man's heart, all he found was perverse corruption, right? It says only, you know, only their hearts were thinking evil continually. They were lusting after things they shouldn't. And God said, you know, man has gotten so perverse. First thing I'm going to do is limit, limit their days to 120 years. Um, and, then this, and then eventually he, he brought the, the flood. So verse 9 begins that process of taking out everything that had breath. So I just, I don't know, uh, you know, and, and, and if people hold a certain position, I, I know I've talked to some of you individually out there that have your ideas and opinions about what Genesis 6 means, and I respect that. You know, I, I, I just think we have to kind of let every every Christian study it, come to their own conclusion, and know that whatever... God intended to be is what God did, and there's just things about angelic beings that we don't understand. You know, can they, can the angels that have been kicked out of heaven, 
that came down to earth, could they morph into human beings? Could they, could they become a human being and could they procreate? There, there's no evidence that suggests they can. But is it possible? I don't know. And again, we, get, we go down that path of speculation, you know. So without any de- definitive answer, it's one of those scriptures you read and you're like, hmm, boy, that's interesting. <laughs> Glenn? Well, you know, uh, they were saying if and nuts, if, if and buts for fruit and nuts, we'd all have a, a yeah. Merry Christmas. Well, it's kind of that way with this because we can speculate all day long on possibilities. Yes. But to me, one shining thing that stands above all is the fact that constantly man has tried to do it with their own science, their own ingenuity, their own effort throughout the very beginnings. I look back at the Tower of Babel, and and you read the scriptures about that, and and, and said they were great and mighty men, and they were uh, Nimrod. You know, he they said he was a hunter of men. He wasn't just a great warrior. He he hunted men, and this guy was, I guess, a, a, for, a, a force to reckon with. Mm-hmm. And yet he, God had had enough of it. He put a stop to it. And how many times have we seen this in man's creation? <laughs> Yep. We've seen it from, from that, Tower of Babel. God, what did God do? He says, I'm not going to destroy them. I'm just going to confuse their Con- language. Yeah, Let them start them. from scratch. Right. And, and they could, they'd it shut them down. It, yep. You know, it never got completed. Oh, I think Judy would like to say something. Yes, so ma'am. I'll, I'll yield the floor. We, we certainly welcome women's comments in class as well, Miss Judy. Do you have a comment? You have to talk into the microphone. Did I miss a lesson, or should I not Google? Because I Googled female angels in the Bible, and a bunch of them come up. Okay, I would love to see references in the Bible where it shows women angels. Please. Uh, no, well, no, ma'am. Okay, but but I don't I don't Google to get Bible answers. Yeah, I read the Bible to right, get Bible amen. answers, and that's. But but you got what the Google takes you to scriptures is not scripture. Sometimes they're apocrypha writings. They are writings that's like of that's scripture. like going to your doctor's office and saying, you know what? I've been looking on the internet and I think I know what I have. They're like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to be careful. You ever heard that, that before? But you you you've got to couple with what Google says and what the actual by go to the writings, just the books, and look them up. Yeah, there are apocryphal books that are basically man's rendition yeah. of the Bible. There's the Holy Scripture that is the Bible, the canonized, word of God. accepted Word of God yeah. that's and, inspired. And boy, Google can sometimes muddy the waters up real well. Yeah, so let let the reader beware because the Holy Spirit yeah. is in my Bible. Yeah, and if it's and and it's it's what we got to follow. Now, I want to say in defense of Miss Judy. I go to the internet, Miss Judy, and I will research certain websites and get commentary from men, but I'm always trying to remind myself, it's an, if it's an article written by a man or a woman, then it's an article written by a man or a woman. They have their opinion about the Bible, but I've got to be careful and let the Bible speak to me and take precedent over what someone's opinion is. And they may sound very intelligent and convincing, but they could be wrong. 
So when you're out there researching websites, just be cautious. All right, be cautious. Um, there's, there's a word for that. It's called transliterated. Yeah. And that's basically somebody writing it to uh, prove their point, not prove yeah. the word of God. You know, the Bible tells us, study to show ourselves approved, a workman of God. Yeah. That needed not to be ashamed. But what are you going to be ashamed about yeah. if it's the word of God? There's nothing to be ashamed of. I use BibleQuestions.org quite often. I think mm-hmm. most of their articles, I'm going to say 90%, 95% of the articles are really well written and biblical. But there's some I read, and they're like, I'm like, no, no. These, there's a slant or prejudice or you know, a bias written into the article that I think is not biblical. So you just have you have to be careful. Be careful. Well, well I, I like to Google stuff sometimes because yeah. it gives me the slant on the slant people are putting on the Bible. Right. And so as, as you read these things, you say, yeah, there's so-and-so slant. You know, everything from free grace, no responsibility, Gnosticism. There's every kind of religious belief in there. Yeah. Uh, but it's good because that's what... That's steel against steel. When we use the Word of God and nothing but the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, right. it sharpens us. It makes us steel against steel. I've and known some know good I mean. preachers in the in the churches of Christ who ended up getting a, a a doctorate of divinity, and they went to a secular university, and all of a sudden they came out a terrible preacher. And not only that, they came out an unbiblical preacher. Why? Because they allowed the philosophies and theories of men to confuse that good biblical mind they had, and they became ineffective ineffective because of worldly views. So we have to be careful to always let the Scripture shape our minds and our hearts, and, and with caution, you know, reference other, other ideas, opinions, and commentary. Okay, any other thoughts on Genesis 6? I kind of hate not to give you a definitive answer, but I've tried to the best of my ability to give you three options on what that could mean. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking, and, and that's fine. I respect that. Just keep studying and keep praying and keep letting God's Spirit lead you and guide you into the truth. So any other thoughts or ideas as we bring our class to a close tonight? By the way, the Nephilim, mighty men of renown... I don't know if that was just a genetic mutation. Uh, I don't know if it was a supernatural influence on men. Um, I, I do know that, you remember when David was running and hiding out? He attracted a certain cl- class of men that were fearsome, fearsome warriors. I mean, there were a few of those guys that single-handedly killed lions. Or they, they jumped into a pit with a giant, and they prevailed. So there's some people out there that genetically are very fearsome. And maybe, maybe they're just saying that that group of Nephilim out there in ancient days, they genetically had it going on, you know? <laughs> they, were, they were a fearsome group. Some of them were big and strong and fearless. So was that, was that a divine influence from corrupted angels? Or was that just the genetic mixture was right? The answer is, I don't know. But they're out there, right? (laughs) 
Yeah. They're a special breed, aren't they? Yeah. I know. Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed the study tonight, and um, we'll, we'll continue with angels. We'll probably have about two more weeks, Meg, of, of angels, and then we'll wrap that up. So if there's anything pressing that you want to talk about, you know, everything you want to know about angels, we're afraid to ask. We'll try to squeeze that in over the next two weeks, but we'll, we'll wrap it up and get on to our next topic. By the way, what is our next topic? Good question. What is our next topic? Only you know. Somebody out there is going to have our topic for Wednesday night. All right? So think about it and pray about it. Enjoy class tonight. Thank you for your comments. I appreciate it. What's it? Okay. Brian tells me the invitation song is 581, 581.
Thank you for being here tonight. I want to say also thank you for those who prepared our meal and we were able to be served and what a wonderful time of fellowship. We do want to offer an invitation. We do this every time we gather together for reason. We never know when we come together there may be someone with a heavy heart, somebody that's struggling with something and they want to come and tell us they have a special need. Maybe somebody's having a dispute, an argument, a a difficult time in their life where they just need prayer um, or want to confess sin. Whatever that need may be, uh, with people gathered together, we always want to invite you. Come, bring it before the church, um, lay it before the throne of God. Let us pray over that and, and pray for the people involved because God can do wonderful things. And one of the most exciting things uh, we have is the blood of Jesus Christ that can take away our, our sins. So the invitation is, why do you wait? If you've, if you've got something you need to pray about or that's pressing or on your heart that may affect your own salvation, uh, come tonight, talk about it, and we'll be honored to pray and, and uh, put it before God. Number 581, let's stand and sing together. Thank you, Brian. Do we have somebody to do closing prayer? Stacy? Okay. I'm going to be uh, making some announcements. If you have a special prayer request or somebody you want included in our prayer tonight, Stacy will be taking those names and including that in just a moment. There's a celebration of life for Marvin Holt. That's Friday, September 9 at 1 p.m. at Sykes. That's in downtown Clarksville. And uh, the burial will follow at Rest Haven Memorial Garden. He'll have full military honors. Um, the family is going to have friends um, on Thursday, September 8th. That's from 4 to 7, so if you want to do visitation. Um, and then again, Friday, 
from 11 a.m. until the time of the service. So they did decide that they would like to have a fellowship meal following the graveside service. So just wanted to let everybody know if you can bring your food sometime Friday, the family would really appreciate that meal. Um, you can have your building, uh, come to the building no later than 1 p.m., but the doors will be open at 7 a.m. on Friday to drop that food off. Um, I know Patsy Heron is home. Uh, anybody have an update on Patsy? She sounded good when I spoke to her. Um, we want to remember Miss um, King, Miss Beverly King. She did not have a good uh, prognosis from her physician. Good, good attitude. Keep her in mind. I'm sure she'd appreciate calls and cards just to encourage her, but not a good prognosis on her heart. And I'm trying to think, uh, Bill Young, still going through rehab. Uh, we hope Bill gets to go home fairly soon. I don't know about this, the prognosis of his arm or his leg, if he'll have use of those. So we'll just keep praying for him that maybe he can get more use out of those extremities that were affected in the stroke. Uh, anyone else that we need to remember in our sick? Yes. Yes. Okay. And this is Terry. Cherry, okay. They lost their infant son in the tornado, and she had um, damage to her spine. So she's going through rehab. <coughs> this is a relative of Wanda in that tornado that was up in Kentucky. Ogles B. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that update. Okay, anyone else where we need to? Yes. Okay. Did you get that, Stacy? Can you repeat that? Robert Hudson. Okay. Oh, Bob. Dr. Bob. Oh, now who Dr. Bob is? Dr. Bob the Cowman. All right. Yes, um, we wanted to remember uh, Meg's dad, Jack Birch. He had a procedure outpatient today. He's home resting. He's an elder in North Alabama. So just remember Jack Birch, Jack Birch and his uh, outpatient procedure. All right, any, any other sick that we need to remember? Yes. Yes, June Bryant. Uh huh. June Bryant's son. Okay. All right. You don't know his name, do you? Jeffrey. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, I have another one, Paulette. Yeah, is he still sick? Oh, my. Oh. Yes, thank you. Uh, Jimmy Hutchinson in uh, the West Coast has COVID, and he's really struggling right now. Um, 
sometimes that COVID gets hold of people and it's hard, hard on them. So Jimmy Hutchinson, who had grown up here, and Wayne Head has COVID, yeah. All right, very quickly, let me just go through some remaining of announcements. Uh, ladies' Song Group, tomorrow at 1230. Monthly singing at Brookdale's is Saturday, 225. Meals on Wheels is this Sunday. Uh, Bible Bowl practice this Sunday afternoon. Ladies are invited to a wedding shower. This is Story and Jose Rosales, um, Sunday at 2 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. There's a fall canvas painting for ladies and girls, uh, sixth grade and up. That'll be September 17, 5.30 potluck with painting to begin at 6.30. Sign up uh, tonight. There's a $5 cost. Where will that be? Here at the building? Okay. Men's Retreat, October 14-15, Kentucky Dam Village. There is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Men's Prayer Breakfast on Saturday, September 17, 8 a.m. And this kind of a bring-your-own-meal uh, food prayer breakfast. Encourage you to come and fellowship. Area-wide youth Devo kickoff will be here at Stroudsville, September 18 at 5 p.m. The theme this year is heavy. Topics and theme of... Difficult things our young people are having to deal with, heavy topics. Um, there will be pizza, and we need you to bring chips, desserts, and drinks for the meal. Y'all know the drill, but that's September 18 at 5 o'clock. Sycamore Chapel is having a homecoming Sunday, September 18. There is a flyer. Lawwood Christian Camp, fall retreat, grades 7 through 12. That's September 16 through 18. You can register online. What's our count tonight? 102, yay, good number. Yes, ma'am. Good, okay. Okay, Gail, Karen, Karen Robinson, okay. All right, Jackie. Okay, I didn't hear that name. Tracy Anderson, okay. Prayers for Tracy Anderson. Okay, if there's no more prayer requests, uh, we appreciate... Yes? Yeah, we just saw that on Facebook. Robbie and, and Allison Santiago are expecting a little Santiago. It's exciting. Robbie's going to be at our men's retreat, by the way. So he'll be a daddy. Be like having two kids in the house, won't it? Wow. That's exciting. Good news. All right. Uh, I think we'll go ahead and be led in prayer. Thank you all for being here tonight. Father in heaven, thank you for this night that we can peacefully and so comfortably share the blessings of fellowship. Well, it, it's, it's, un, it's just incomprehensible, the gifts that you lavish on us, that we have so much to share, and that peace... And friendship and plenty are things that we enjoy so often. Thank you for the span of our days, that you've given us many, many, many days to do your will, to, to come and to learn and to become sanctified and, and conform to your image. Thank you for all of those days. We specifically pray for... Uh, Margie Holt and Susan and Lisa, thank you for giving us opportunities to um, to serve them and to 
try to help comfort them uh, in this loss. We pray for Beverly King, peace and strength for Bill Young as he is in rehab and is having to and has having to struggle. We pray for your strength for him. We pray for Charity Oglesby and the and the way that she is recovering and is praising you despite the fact she's had hardship. Thank you for for your glory coming through her. We pray for Robert Hudson in his heart surgery that your hand of healing will give him more days. For Jack Birch, for June Bryant's son Jeff, and for his his difficulty, and we pray that it be your will to give him more days. For Wayne Head and Jimmy Hutchinson and their struggle with being sick, we pray that you will give them some comfort and also some knowledge that we're lifting them up in prayer and that we would be glad and happy to serve them and to honor the name of you, Lord, so that whether we live or die, whether we have plenty or, or little, that we honor you and praise you all the time. We pray for Karen Robinson and Tracy Anderson and the difficulty that she's having. And we also rejoice with Robbie and Allison Santiago. We pray that you will, uh, that it be your will to give them a healthy and, and vibrant child. Father, no matter what happens, please, please send your word to us so that we would always know the truth and never be lied to, whether we have plenty or whether we have struggle, that we would always glorify you and count our days until we're on the other side with you. We ask these things through your son, Jesus. Amen.